it is a thought process that impacts every single thing you do. And I see this all the time, especially with my female clients, because they come to me and they're like so sure that despite the fact that all of their methods of them trying to lose weight in the past, and I know you were a nutrition coach at some point, so I want to hear your take on this. They're so convinced that they need to keep doing those things like cutting the carbs, reducing their calories, training harder, more cardio, whatever you insert any kind of fad diet trend. They are like sure that they need to keep doing that, even though objectively speaking, it's not working. Let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. What's up, Fix listeners? Welcome back to our latest episode of The Fix Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Huber, and I have a very cool emphasis on the word cool guest for today's podcast. Now, I'm being totally corny, and it'll make sense in about 25 seconds when I explain who this lovely person is, and that is Stephen Longo, the founder of Orca Bars. Orca Bars are a protein ice cream, and I'm going to give you the full rundown, all the deets on exactly what this product is, but before I do, I want to establish something right out of the gate with the introduction for the show and for this guest. This is an episode that if you have had at any point in your life, an experience where you're like, what the F am I doing? What is my purpose? What should I be doing with my career? Where do I go next? Why do I feel stuck? Then you are going to want to listen to this episode three times. You are going to want to take notes. And whether you have any aspirations of being an entrepreneur or a current entrepreneur, or maybe you're just somebody who's like, I'm super happy in my job. I like working in corporate America. I like working for somebody else. There's a lot in here about understanding how to find your place and your purpose. And I don't think it is relevant only to people pursuing a path around innovation and that sort of thing. But I also say that to say that Steven is an innovator. And this was such a cool podcast episode for me to record also because he is a local Jersey guy. His brand is local to Jersey. He's literally making these ice cream bars in Asbury, New Jersey, started in Belmar. And as I've said with some of our past recent local guests that we've had on the show, I really love being able to highlight our Jersey peeps and represent strong and just I'm so proud of all the cool things that are happening like right in my backyard. So Steven, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for being a pioneer and and really asking lots of interesting questions and pursuing your dreams. And it was so fun to get his firsthand take on what the whole journey has been like, how he's gotten to where he is. And so let me explain what the heck an orca bar actually is. It is put simply the best ice cream you are going to ever have. And if you've been around the show for even a minute, if you follow me on Instagram, you guys know I take my ice cream game probably second to as seriously as I take my coffee. I eat lots of ice cream in particular in the summer. And so much of that has to do with the fact that Jersey's home to some, especially the Jersey Shore, we're home to some really awesome homemade ice cream shops that have been around for years and years and years. Shout out to places like Hoffman's and Sundays. Those are two of my favorite spots. However, Orca bar is something totally different. It is, yes, you heard me correct, a protein-packed treat. And without stealing Steven's thunder, he's going to explain where he got the idea for this. A lot of it started with some beach volleyball and just looking for a different option that would be nice and refreshing and cool and something that you wanted to eat after coming off the beach. But what's really unique about Orca bar, and as a nutrition coach, I am all about this, is the fact that it is an egg-based protein specifically from egg whites. Now, before you poo-poo me, you should also know that I'm an egg white queen. And I joke with my clients all the time that I single-handedly sell out all of the small cartons of egg whites at the Trader Joe's local to my current home. And I'm probably only half kidding, but it's true. I eat egg whites like water. So when Steven found me on Instagram and he DM'd me from the Orca Bar page and told me that he had created a protein ice cream that was an egg white base, I was like, can I get my hands on that? How fast can I get them? And this guy with the amazing customer service that he has, I got it within 24 hours. 
And I was so excited. I ate two of them within 20 minutes of each other. And I'm not embarrassed to admit that. I will also share that all of my clients, all of my friends who have since hit up Steven to get their hands on Orca bars, every single one of them is a repeat customer. I won't sell anybody out by name, but I have a friend that gets visits from Steven on more than one day of the week. He knows who he is. And we love Orca bar for good reason. It's so cool when you hear people, and this is me alluding a little bit to Steven's story, but having had some digestion issues himself, dairy, not always agreeing with him at certain points, he'd be like, well, I want ice cream. So I'm just going to say F it. And then kind of paying for those consequences later, he saw an opening and he saw that there was a need for a solution to come up with something that was going to be better for him and really serve that craving, serve that fix for that refreshing cold treat after coming off of the beach, after playing beach volleyball. And you know, it fits into our macros really well. These bars have 15 grams of protein, And I don't really know. Like I said, I'm an ice cream connoisseur, you guys. I don't know if there's anything else on the market that can really match this. So I'm telling you right now, we are on the verge of seeing some very cool things happening for Orca because it is so different. It's so unique. Steven is on a mission to refresh the cold category with this healthier ice cream alternative. And I couldn't be happier to support it. So before I keep going on and on and not let you into the show, I am going to let you into the show. This one is one you're going to enjoy. Full disclosure, this is probably going to be the episode that makes Steven so busy. He will be making bars in Asbury the entire weekend after it drops. So we are excited. And for those of you who are not in Jersey and may not be local, have no fear. Steven is in the works of, of getting all of the logistics up and running for delivery outside of Jersey. So my New York friends, maybe some Philly friends expanding that delivery radius, work on some things with his packaging and all that sort of stuff. He'll mention it in the episode too, but stay tuned because you will be able to get your hands on these, even if you're not local to Monmouth or Ocean County. If you are local, you can go right to his website though, It's all linked down in the show notes for you guys. Highly, highly recommend getting the variety pack so you can try all of the flavors. If I had to rank them, my top one would probably be a tie for the cookies and cream and the raspberry. And at the time of this recording, he was working on a chocolate one. So at the time that this airs, I'm sure I will have tried it at that point. And I think I could put it in my top because I love all things chocolate. But anyways... Let's welcome Steven, give him a very warm welcome to the Fix Podcast, and this definitely won't be the last you will be hearing about Orca Bars. Enjoy this one. Steven, welcome to the Fix Podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation. We were chatting before we officially hit the record button and the timer was going, and we were both like, we got to get rolling because we have plenty to say. So I'm really looking forward to the Fix listeners getting to know more about you, getting to understand what it is that you do in a lot of different facets of your life. So thank you first and foremost for being here. And to kick things off, before we get into all things ice cream, nutrition, owning a business, all the stuff that we're going to talk about, tell me what your go-to coffee order is. What are you sipping on for a guy that's as busy as you? I would assume you like your caffeine. So I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a coffee person. I'm shocked. Okay, that's that's all right. We won't (laughs) cut the interview. But what do you like to drink? instead what do so, we have i will um still give you my go-to like caffeine okay, option perfect. but i will say that like first thing i need when i wake up is just some breakfast and a, bla- uh, like nice. a glass of water okay That's, i'm so like, surprised you seem going. like he'd be a coffee guy i know okay. but i have been getting really turned on to um what is it like vanilla chai tea latte okay all right <laughs> for some reason that's pretty good espressos i okay. love a good espresso all right, like nice. at the end of a meal or if yeah. you're going out or something okay. like that more of like an after dinner on. sort of situation yeah which but is not... odd yeah. because like they're kind of opposite right like Great. the chai tea latte is going to be super sweet and like a little more milkier and frothy yeah. and like the espresso is straight black. shot like let's hit it that's it let's go yeah interesting yeah. <laughs> okay cool all right have you never been a coffee person or did you like eliminate it from your life you know, it's odd because my mother is like a huge coffee drinker and her side of the family has always been okay. really big coffee people. Yeah. But my dad's side was never, I mean, well, he didn't take up a big coffee drinking okay. lifestyle. It wasn't like a it was part more of his tea. routine. Exactly. Sure. It was more tea style and things like oh. that. And I think I just, um, if I ever went for something, it kind of landed more in that space. Okay. Like teas, ginger teas, you know, um, 
and he would always like actually get the fresh root and like oh, cut cool. up the root and okay, like make awesome. the tea like that. So, so he made it like the whole experience. Exactly. There was like yeah. more to it. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, cool. Nice. No judgment. <laughs> it's allowed. I always get the occasional guests like every couple of episodes who isn't a coffee drinker. And, you know, caffeine is one of the most studied areas of nutrition sure. in general um just like understanding the benefits potential negative side effects i think it's having a moment of people are concerned about stress adrenal fatigue all that sort of stuff that a lot of people are cutting back on their caffeine consumption so yeah. it makes sense yeah. but anyways we are we're i'm a coffee lover and i could talk about coffee <laughs> for a whole episode but we're not here to talk about coffee we, we are here be. to talk about <laughs> ice cream for sure which i happen to really love too so this is perfect but we are obviously going to talk all things Orca Bars, but before we get into that, I want to know more about you personally. Your story of how you got to where you are right now is just fascinating, and we could probably do like three podcast episodes and talk about your other business venture too, but tell the listener as we invite them into this conversation there are lots of people out there who own businesses, who try different things, who go the startup route. But when it comes to you personally and who you are, why should the listener care about what you have to say in the rest of this episode? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, I think what's always kind of separated me mentally has always been not really feeling comfortable like where I've been just in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through a bunch of different avenues in terms of, you know, finance and accounting, um, acting and doing like that side of things. And nothing was really, really resonating with me. And okay. I felt like there was something else that I was like searching for. And I knew for the longest time that like entrepreneurship was something that I was passionate about and I wanted to go after because there was something about the journey that really spoke to me. And I've always been somebody that's looked for something deeper uh, mentally, physically. And there was something about what it requires of the individual totally. to like go out and really wholeheartedly pursue creating something from nothing. And that always inspired me. It always captivated me. I had friends when I was um, at university in Manhattan that went off and did those kind of things because like even in college even in college yeah. you know mm -hmm. new york city is such a, a, a um you know a place that like cultivates that oh, kind yeah. of risk -taking. mindset yeah. risk-taking mm -hmm. exactly and seeing them constantly doing it when i was taking a more conservative route at the time was always like what am i doing like that's not who i am mm -hmm. and it felt like doing this going after this type of um um goal is just resonates with it. it's just who i am yeah and it's like trying to like fulfill something within yourself it's yeah like really for sure what brings it out yeah i appreciate what you have to say and your take on it because entrepreneurship people who don't do it maybe can't relate to this but mm -hmm. it's like the ultimate form of therapy in my opinion <laughs> yeah. it's a really weird form of therapy it's like trial by fire yeah but the reason why i look at it that way is because it makes you leave your ego at the door when things don't go well or you fail and you are the only person you can blame. Oh, totally. Like that piece of it, I find very liberating. Yeah. I was never scared of that. I actually, maybe my control freak side coming out and making this statement, but I actually liked that. Yeah, like, thriving. Yeah, it's like <laughs> because I was in situations taking the more traditional route like you, which I do want to move into next here because I, I have a question around like, why you went that route first if you knew this was your sure. calling so we're gonna go there but it's really interesting when i think about all the jobs that i had before i pursued my business full-time the the constant theme for me of like why i knew this wasn't it this wasn't it is because i felt like really stuck by my manager boss whoever they wanted to do something a certain way and i never felt like anyone would allow me oh, yeah. there was always something pushing me down you're too young you don't understand this you're not thinking about that and i realized i actually had a boss my like second corporate job that i had within a year after graduating college still in the finance world like you mm -hmm. My boss at the time, I was leaving that job to pursue a full-time fitness position. And that was like my first leap into moving in the direction that I am today. Yeah. And he actually said to me, and I'll never forget this conversation. He was like, I'm happy for you that you're exploring this and doing this. But he's like, I promise you. And I should reach back out to him because we never really stayed in touch. <laughs> but he was like, you are never going to work for somebody else. He was like, this is just a stepping stone. And 
this might be like exciting for you right now at the age that you're at, but this is not your end destination. Yep. And he was like, until he's like, he said to me straight up, he was like, you'll never be happy <laughs> until you work for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I don't know. And I just didn't know at 23. And now that I've had the experiences that I've had, I'm like, that guy was so right. So yeah. anyways, I, I really appreciate that. And I love that take, but I want to know if you had this knowing inside of you as young of an age as you're describing, what drew you to still take that safer corporate route initially? Because I think that'll be a good place for us to kind of set this up to walk through how you got from having your finance and accounting positions being in consulting to then eventually getting into the startup space, developing products, and now making the next leap into developing food specifically. Yeah, um, really great question. I think I think when you're at a young age, meaning high school, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where you start to really start to explore opportunities and people try to say, or ask you the question of like, what's what next, do you want to do? Right? To yeah. what end? Like, what do you want to mm -hmm. do? That's when you start to really develop that conversation. Yeah. Um, your biggest mentors at the time, for me at least, are your mother and father, right? Yeah. Your parents. Totally. And it's not really until you you know, get to that age and then go off on your own that you actually start to enculturate out of your like tribe, right? Which is your mother, father, siblings, aunts, whoever it might be. Mm -hmm. And at that time, my parents were both teachers. So they had very conservative, stable positions. Yeah. And that was just the kind of mindset that sure. they- Generationally, pumped. I think is big too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely right. My mother and father are both uh, boomers. So like they're you know, older and they like the idea of a, a paycheck, knowing what's coming next, mm -hmm. benefits, all that kind of thing, right? But it was never for me and I knew it was never for me, I think at a young age, but I still just did it, right? Because I was always taught safe, 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 go safe. So when I went to university, I went with the intention of uh, majoring in accounting. I had taken a couple of electives at my senior year in high school, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, I, I'm good at this. Like, sure. math was something that came easier to me. Okay. So it was like the easy way out almost yeah. in a way. I was like, I'm good at this. I didn't really have to study it too hard it for it. Yeah, it made right? it safe. Yeah. Exactly. And I was like, let me do that because deep down, I think I was still struggling with like, I don't actually want to do it, but if it's something that comes easy to me, let me do it so I'm not putting all of myself into it in okay. a way. Um, so I went that direction. And when I got to school, uh, I was attending Pace University in Manhattan at the time. I had a good friend of mine that I went to high school with who was two years ahead of me, mm -hmm. who um, has just left an internship and they were looking for somebody to bring on. So I was really fortunate my freshman year of school to get immersed into an internship oh, wow. and start to kind of build my resume down a certain path. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't exactly accounting, it was more finance. So I was working for Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, doing like wealth management mm -hmm. and planning and portfolio management. Yeah. And it was cool, it was fine, it was a learning experience. Um, but, you know, when I was at school, I was still studying for my master's in accounting but along the way, what I realized is that I would still be trying to leave that world any chance I got in order to experience something more creative. Okay. And so I was really heavily involved in kind of like acting and going on auditions and things like that. And cool. I was taking, you know, side electives if my curriculum could... Uh, had space for it as like, you know, taking acting classes and marketing classes and things like that were really weren't part of my right. core You're, studies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I was doing it because it felt like an escape. And I think for so long, I was like, just like burying the fact that like, I didn't really want to be doing this. And I was getting invigorated by all these other things that I was doing on the side mm -hmm. that kind of made the accounting studying, the finance studying, and like that track, um, a little more digestible. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, you're getting your lick somewhere else. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, I just had a bunch of friends who started going off on entrepreneurial journeys um, in college, and that really excited me. And I tried to tap into them and understand kind of the the world that they were in. And it started off just going to like networking events or having cool. conversations with them in like a broader way um, until 
I really started thinking that it could be the path for me. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And and I appreciate your honesty too because I don't think that many I think a lot of people may relate to what you said and like feeling that struggle, but they don't necessarily analyze it and I don't think it's that they're not trying to. I think that either maybe they're not, maybe they're like so busy they're not creating the space to think about those decisions, but I think it's more a lot of like denying the truth yeah. and just saying like I okay, I should go this path Absolutely. just because. Oh, so yeah. I, I certainly did that for sure. And like I took winding paths a, a, like kind of quickly right out of school because I went to school for journalism and I wanted to be a reporter, but I wanted to be on TV and I didn't want to live in like some random ass city in the middle of nowhere. And I knew that that was required, but I did that for college. I was like, I can't do this for yeah. four more years. Yeah. So someone advised me go into finance, develop a niche. I wanted to be in business journalism. And then they were like, eventually you'll get back on camera. Like you'll be interviewed as like an expert for different financial topics. I was like, okay, cool. That makes sense. But the minute I got to sitting behind a desk, I was like, nope, I can't do it. Uh -huh. And when I think back on it now, I always knew I wasn't going to sit behind a desk. That was the thing that actually attracted me to journalism. Because you're not really, if you're interviewing somebody, there's way more to it than sitting on your computer. Like, yes, you're researching, writing articles. But Absolutely. there was always something about interviewing someone that like I'm very extroverted and yeah. just like really lit me up. So I always kind of had that like feeling. But like you, same outside influences and stuff, I still kind of thought I should play that safe route. So totally resonates for sure. And it's something I've talked about on this podcast quite a bit and I, I have to draw the nutrition parallel and the fitness parallel to that it is a thought process that impacts every single thing you do and I see this all the time especially with my female clients because they come to me and they're like so sure that despite the fact that all of their methods of them trying to lose weight in the past and mm -hmm. I know you were a nutrition coach at some point so I want to hear your take on this they're so convinced that they need to keep doing those things like cutting the carbs, reducing their calories, training harder, more cardio, whatever, you insert any kind of fad diet right. They are like sure that they need to keep doing that, even though objectively speaking, it's not working. Like yeah. if it was working, they wouldn't be coming to me frustrated, upset, lacking confidence, you name it, any yeah. pain point. Yet they're like, nope, this has to be the way that I do it. Yep. So I think it's a mindset that just, you know, trickles into everything else that we do. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, kind of talk me through like when did you, I know you had like a more traditional corporate job and technically still do, but at what point was like your first like step into trying to create something on your own? Yeah. Um, when I got to Ernst & Young, that's mm -hmm. where I uh, wound up uh, getting my first job after, after school, which was a really awesome opportunity. Um, it was a big four at the yeah. time, still is. Um, and when I was there, I originally went into like a forensic accounting role, which on paper sounded like really, really cool. But like, and like in theory was awesome. But like once you started getting into doing it, it was like, holy shit, what did I like get myself <laughs> into? It's like, you know, I was doing like 60, 70 hour weeks and some of the roles that I was on, I was, I mean, I still remember this one job. I was in a, I was working um, in the basement of a New York City brownstone because there was like a company that worked out of that space and their computers that we needed to be on were in the basement. No windows, no natural light. And I'm in there from like- <laughs> Like 12 hours a oh day. Oh my God, you would you would go in in the morning and like leave at night and have and no recollection of time. Yeah, right. And I'm next to like a hot water heater like clanking and everything <laughs> like that. And it's like in this seat, I'm just like, what am I doing with myself? <laughs> what am I doing with my life right yeah. now? And I remember at that time too, um, a buddy of mine that I grew up with who was also living in the city, working in Manhattan, had his job around the corner. And we would go out for lunch as like our escape. Mm -hmm. And we would meet up and we would go and have a sandwich, whatever it was. And he would just be telling me like how stressed out he was at his job and like how much he just wasn't in it. And we would just be venting to one yeah, another about like, what are we doing with our yeah, lives? You yeah. know, all this kind of stuff. And then we would turn around and go back and sit Do in that again. seat and keep yeah. doing it. Mm -hmm. At one point though, I had like a, a meltdown like i couldn't do it anymore i was getting overworked i was also um at an unfortunate place in a relationship that i was in at the time and it sent me down this mental spiral and i was like i need to take some time i need to go on a hiatus what kind of opportunities can i take here mm -hmm. and 
I was really fortunate, I think, because at Ernst & Young, they were really understanding of that kind of yeah. thing. And they let me go off and take time. And with the intention of coming back and I, my job would be there for me, which was really awesome. I mean, how yeah. many jobs? No, you know, I do have a lot of people having lived in Charlotte. I think I shared this with you when we first met. I had a lot of friends that worked there and between like their Deloitte, all those places, they had really good benefits. Like for as much as the day to day job experience sometimes was a little wild. Yeah. Everyone I knew that worked there, they kind of justified the decision to work there when they looked at those other things on paper, mm -hmm. so long as you took advantage of them too, right? right so exactly. that's really awesome that you were able to do that. Yes. But it sounds like you didn't go back. I So I I did go back. Okay. So I, I went and picked up, packed a suitcase literally the next day after handling things with HR, and yeah. I moved to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Why there? My friend that I went to university with uh, owned a tiki bar and restaurant okay. on the water. Nice. And a little escape? A little escape. I was yeah. like, what can I do that is so far from what mm -hmm. I'm doing now in terms of like, like where I would be spending my time? Sure. I was like, hit him up. His name was Gil. Um, and he was like, come on down. He wanted me to come so bad. You know, I'd visited <laughs> in the past and he was That's like, awesome. I have a spare bedroom. You can stay in it. So I would go, I would sleep in that spare bedroom and literally Monday through, or no, Monday to Wednesday, I was like spending my time just with myself, mm -hmm. you know, um, using that time to better understand what it is I wanted to do. Right. And, and, and what did I want to move into at that point? And then Thursday through Sunday, I was slinging drinks at his bar, you cool. know, picking up some money on the side yeah. to try and just make some pocket change. And I would find that Monday and Wednesday, I'd be going on my laptop, still connecting with people, you know, from EY because I was still, um, you know, involved, but I just wasn't working on anything. And I was looking internally for other opportunities. And it was because I felt so fortunate to be working for an organization that actually did care about yeah, me in that way. Yeah, that made way. you like the culture. Exactly, sure. and I love the culture. And so I didn't want to necessarily say goodbye. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what else was out there that I could maybe do yeah. that helped me start to feel that visceral experience that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And there was an internal kind of team that was just starting up. They were called themselves um, like... Uh, uh, the purpose realized team basically and the intention of what the work that they were going to be doing was helping individuals and employees of organizations feel less like a number mm -hmm. and feel more like they are being fulfilled in the work that they do and satisfied and contributing mm -hmm. to the stuff so this was for both ey's internal atmosphere but also maybe in a consulting type position they would do this with other companies too. absolutely okay. so it was moving into more of a consulting role and the thing also that i really loved about this is that it was a new group of people mm -hmm. coming together to form this and yeah. it felt entrepreneurial yeah totally these people we were going to be coming together to build out a new methodology mm -hmm. that we were yeah, offering it didn't exist right it didn't exist yet. and it was like cool yeah, we yeah. were going to do this so That's i awesome. You know, had to prove um, that I could do it, you okay. know, and it took some time doing that. But I wound up eventually uh, leaving Myrtle Beach, South Carolina and the Tiki Bar, which I miss dearly <laughs> still to this day. Um, if you're ever in Myrtle Beach, go to the Tiki what, Bar on 8th Avenue. It's called the Tiki Bar. It's called okay. the Tiki Bar. Nice. Yeah. And um, I went back to EY with the intention and eventuality of joining this team. And we were kind of this band of misfits that was from <laughs> all different walks of life yeah. over around the organization in New York. And what was one thing that I think we all had in common is that we were all looking for fulfilling our own sense of purpose. Yeah, for sure. And what was that? What did it look like? And this was kind of an opportunity to not only start to do that for ourselves, but potentially start to have that uh, impact at other organizations. And that f sounded really cool. Yeah, really yeah. Awesome. So it was during that experience um, for, I want to say, around four years or something like that, that it started to have me really study up on fulfilling one's purpose mm -hmm. and build a real sense of confidence in myself because the knowledge that I was gaining in that role wasn't very narrow. It wasn't accounting. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't numbers. Mm -hmm. It was more strategy. It was more 
communications. It was right. more interpersonal relations. And a lot of times those jobs are hard to get when you're like younger at a totally. company. Yes. Like when Absolutely. you said you had to prove it, I am listening to hearing you say that. And I think about different roles like that, that I had tried to go for even in marketing, like at some financial institutions, they always want somebody who's been there for 10 years. And it's like, well, like maybe I have some ideas with the perspective that I have at 20 something that I could bring to the table, but nobody ever wants to give you that chance. Mm -hmm. And that was actually the reason that I ultimately got really frustrated with a lot of those corporate jobs that I left. Yeah. So I think that's awesome that you were able to like find that way in. And I'm very impressed that you also stayed with it for four years. So like clearly there was like healing work and maybe even some like self-exploration and self-development that you got through that, that it sounds like kind of helped you start to figure out what does this look like for me? Absolutely. And it was right around that time too that I um, started to dive a little bit deeper into health and wellness. Okay. And I think when you're on this path of better understanding self-fulfillment, self-realization, mm -hmm. purpose, it's just so congruent with the health and wellness space, right? All of these yeah. people are trying to do that Absolutely. same thing, right, for themselves. And so I was always somebody that was into nutrition health mm -hmm. from a very young age. Um, my father, friends, things like that. And it just kind of came naturally to me as something of enjoyment. Yeah, and importance. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it was then at that time that I started really diving in deeper. And it was probably, God, I was so, um, I was always somebody that, brought food with me to work in order to live into that healthy lifestyle yep. that I was working for. And so I'd be bringing, you know, two to three meals a day to, um, you know, reach certain goals that I had for mm -hmm. myself. And bringing that amount of Tupperware is a lot, yep. right? And then if you're going to go I, after the yep. office to the I know bar. All my clients are smiling yeah, about this because they know and that's what's required. Like, the low-hanging fruit is stop spending the 15 bucks that you do on some sandwich that oh you don't God, understand yeah. how the macros work and you're not getting enough protein. And when really like you could just control one more variable that takes you maybe 10 minutes by mm -hmm. prepping the food the night before in the morning. So yeah. keep going because I'm excited about the Tupperware yeah. thing. So I... I'm bringing all these different, you know, um, traditional Tupperware containers to the office, whether it's plastic bags, plastic containers, glass Pyrex, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And I'm like saying to myself, God, either the Pyrex is too heavy, the plastic's, you know, uh, you know, fallible and it's leaking and all that kind of stuff. And when you put it into the dishwasher, it's like shrinking yeah. and all that kind of thing. And eventually I was like, there's got to be something better. So I did. I found something that was uh, a silicone compar uh, uh, compartmented um, container that collapsed and I love the fact that it had sections and I could bring it and transport it easily and living in a small New York City apartment it was great to have something that fit into mm -hmm. kitchen cabinet or yeah. drawer um, but what was still faulty about it was whatever you put into the compartments and you place the lid on top there was still enough space and air room that liquids or whatever it was would Move transition yeah. into the other compartments and i was like oh like i'd be bling i'd be bringing like salmon over some salad and then like and you blueberries wanted to be separated yeah, yeah and my blueberries would wind up tasting, tasting like, like fish when yeah. i like brought Ugh, the fish yeah. It was disgusting. Right, but, like, but you wanted anyway. the single container because you wanted to carry fewer things right. and you needed more meals. Right, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. Um, but the second I saw the challenges that I was facing, yeah. I set out and said to myself, first, does anything else exist that might help me overcome this issue and challenge that I'm having? And do other people have this same problem? Great entrepreneurial questions. And so the first thing I started doing was I used the kitchenettes of Ernst & Young to start handing out. And it really started as a conversation. When I would be heating up my food, I'd see other people doing the same thing. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, these people are like me. Yeah. Hey, what are some of the problems? Like, do you like that container? What containers do you like? You know, it's like a really absurd thing to be like starting sure. banter with about yeah. with somebody, but they would like be open to it because they were actually and you were doing the same it struggles. every day, You're like doing it's, it every day. So it's actually like a hot topic that people could get pretty passionate about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I started doing was just surveying the community, and I was like. First, I was doing it at work, and then eventually when I was tapping into everybody at work, I was going home from the office, and the second I had spare time, I was literally on Instagram DMing people in health and wellness that I would think would be meal prepping right? and being like, hey, 
do you struggle with xyz mm -hmm. and like you hear back from maybe like 10 percent. but yeah. when you send like a thousand dms to the point where Still instagram stopping you from yeah, sending yeah. messages because <laughs> you're sending the same one over and exactly. over they think you're um, a bot. <laughs> you wind up building enough feedback yeah. and that was my intention with it it was like That's so cool okay i didn't find anything in the marketplace right that was meeting the design and expectations mm -hmm. of what I wanted to do. And now I was starting to actually build some data around proving that the other concept. people felt the yeah. same way. Yeah, there was a need. And that was the moment where I will never forget it, and neither will my friend probably, running to Barnes and Noble to buy an inventor's notebook with like <laughs> plastic wrap on it. And like I ran home and like I took out a pencil and I started sketching a container. Yeah. That. Um, I would like then bring to my buddy that lived up the street from my apartment at the time and have him sign off. So there would be some sort of like proprietary protection around like the idea. Cause I was like so <laughs> nervous. Cause I was like, nobody's doing this. It's not out there. Right. Like, how do I be the first one to do this? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I know I have to protect. I know I have to protect. Yeah. You know, probably that had like very little you implications. Know, implication. But whatever. Exactly. It made you feel better. That's funny. So it was from that moment on that I just started drawing it out, um, prototyping the idea. I had a friend of mine that was a professor at the College of New Jersey and he was in the engineering field. Cool. And he had a bright young student that was interested in getting better at exploring prototyping and three-dimensional design. Mm -hmm. So I worked with him and paid him like a, you a know, small little yeah. thing to like help me do this. And eventually I came out with a proof model just by working with him. And that's when I knew it was real. And the fact that I had all this data made me then realize it was real. And that's when I um, decided to go back to Ernst & Young, talk to people about kind of where I was headed, what I was thinking, talk to my family about what I was thinking of doing, and decided to uh, give my two weeks notice and say, you know what, I am gonna go off and try and do this. Yeah. and 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 figure out how to bring That's this awesome. product to life. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to fast forward us a little bit here because I know what kind of happened in between. But at that point, I know you went to like a Y2 Combinator kind of route, right? Yep. Did you literally just quit your job and then hope that would happen? Like at what point were you saying to yourself, okay, I need some more support if I'm really going to make this a thing? And then after that, Obviously, I know there were some COVID issues, manufacturing, all that sort of stuff. Right, so yeah. kind of take us right into the transition into what eventually would be your next business with the Orca Bars. Sure. So so just like you mentioned, yeah, got into an accelerator program that was even more like confidence building, like okay. other people believe and they're mm -hmm. willing to invest in me to do this. Yeah. So um, that was like a accelerated program that helped me really get things off the road. And as I mentioned, COVID unfortunately shut down, as people know, logistics and manufacturing for a period of time that mm -hmm. destroyed my ability to get to market. Yeah. When I left my job, um, I didn't have a car because I was living in Manhattan right. for so long. Right, made sense. And I moved back into our uh, summer home down by the Jersey Shore, mm -hmm. um, which was an easy transition because it was someplace I always came to regardless of summer, winter, fall in Manhattan. I loved getting away yeah. on the weekends and so many of my friends that I grew up with live down there already right. so it was an easy transition that way what wasn't easy was deciding okay what am i going to do for just some pocket change sure and at the time again didn't have a car so there was a local gym across the street that i could walk to and i'll never forget walking in you know dressed nicely and uh with my resume and and sitting down for and seeing that they had a part-time desk attendant role. And I was like, what's gonna be something that will be flexible, Sure. that will uh, give me still the opportunity to, to go pursue do these other things? These other yeah, things. yeah, totally. That had to be and, a key factor. Oh yeah. yeah, and I sit down and they're like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, talking to younger guys than myself, right. and they're like, you're really overqualified right for, for this, this. position. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, I think you'll see that like I have a real interest in doing this kind of thing and, mm -hmm. and maybe I can even help you guys operationally here. Sure. You know, things like that. And they're like, yeah, we're going to hire you. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. Great. I was just so happy to have something. Yeah. That was like, that was be something a I could spend thing. my yeah, time, sure. you know, um, give you a routine, not even the money. Exactly. Yeah, start to sure. build that out. Yeah. So I'm working there for a while and um, 
I was also heavily involved in uh, volleyball. So I'm a big beach volleyball mm-hmm. athlete, um, doubles beach uh, competitively on the weekends That's during awesome. the season and stuff like that. And for the longest time, now that um, you know, I was really working at a gym and I had this just direct access, even though I did in the city as well, I was starting to get closer to this um, real outdoor lifestyle, living by the mm-hmm. beach, oh, working yeah. in a gym. I can see that. Yeah. And my health and nutrition and wellness path was taking a different level. Mm-hmm. And um, for the longest time, actually, as well, I've always struggled with digesting large amounts of dairy and sugar. And so when I was at the gym, I was really interested in starting to pursue this health and wellness path a little bit more, right? From the containers, Mm -hmm. but now even heavily from like a research standpoint. Okay. So I went off and I got my nutrition's coach certification. And in that research, I began to sink myself into everything around gut health and understanding digestion and maybe better understanding the problems I was having. Yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't until I started diving more deeply into something called uh, FODMAP. Mm -hmm. And if you're familiar with FODMAP, it's something a lot of people with IBS and digestive issues will follow in order to be conscious of the things that they can consume that won't give them problems. Yeah, and then try to add foods back in once you figure out like, what we need to kill off in the gut and then exactly. re- like and cycle through that good bacteria all right. that it's and not fun all, no but it's not it, it's and helpful <laughs> all the science is around these um you know short and long train carbohydrates that mm-hmm. affect the body's ability to break them down now when i was getting into that research and understanding it i was starting to also uh tweak what i was consuming and i had for a while now laid off of you know the big um the heavy like whey concentrates and things like that. And I was leaning into more of like the the plant-based protein yeah, shakes. Proteins. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of that kind of thing, as well as just everything else that I was eating. Yeah. And it was August of 2022. And I'm on the beach uh, finishing up some games with some friends of mine. And I come back to the house and I'm looking to grab a quick shake or something to just like replenish, you know, the nutrients and things yeah. like that I just lost. And I was like, you know, I really want something more refreshing. Like I just got in from a hot day and I was like, this isn't doing it for me, you know? And so I couldn't also digest uh, traditional protein bars. That wasn't working for me. And so I was like, I wonder if I could make a cold product that would be just as nutritious, um, just as refreshing and be something that wouldn't bother my stomach. And so I set out on this path of trying to create something. And for the longest time as a kid, uh, my go-to kind of, um, you know, uh, a cold snack was always yeah. a Klondike bar. Yeah. I, I loved a Klondike bar. But over the years, as my kind of taste buds change, mm-hmm. as people's do, right, yeah. over like seven or eight years, yeah. whatever it might be, mine started to lean away from them and just thought the products weren't having the same taste that they did. And I was like, you know what? I love the idea of it being a novelty product that people can still have in their hand Mm -hmm. and consume as something quick, you know? And so I started exploring ice cream sandwiches originally. And I couldn't figure it out, man. That's I like, so surprising because, <laughs> I figure it out. and I know we could probably do like a whole episode around like the like how you actually constructed and like the recipes and stuff and how you formulated it. But it's so surprising because like as just like a consumer who knows nothing about what goes into making these things, when you look at the construction of like a Klondike bar, I would almost think it would be harder to make because like I know you got to dip it in the chocolate and then the ice cream has to be the right temp like it seems more complex than I would assume that like a a bar like a you know like any of those types of like classic like cake on the outside and vanilla in the middle situation you're 100% correct I didn't know what I was setting out to try and do until understanding that like creating a novelty ice cream product is the hardest way to go if you want to try and do something like this because for instance like a pint of ice cream put it through a machine it pumps it in right yeah now you're adding the complexity of design Mm -hmm. to it the stabilization of the shape and everything okay so 
it failed for for a long time and eventually i was able to um go a different direction and say ice cream sandwiches aren't really working what can i do from like a chocolate coating standpoint as well okay and that's what really helped transition the idea and the product to more of that type of to more of that okay. type of gotcha. thing yeah yeah okay and um i wound up after a year um coming out with something that just was stable like literally that just yeah, would that come you could out actually like, like it consume. had a shape yeah, yeah. i wasn't going to mm -hmm. melt down all of yeah. this kind of stuff and I started just giving it out to some friends and family, having them kind of taste test, i.e. my mother actually being one of the like go-to people. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she would be enjoying one on the couch and stuff like that. And she'd be like, you know, these are really good. Like, these are really good. Yeah. Like, this might be the thing. Yeah. And I'm like, mom, stop. You know, like <laughs> your mom, right? Yeah. Right. Like pumping you. Yeah. Say that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they are, for the record, everyone needs to know they are really good. And <laughs> we, as we were talking offline, I think we're going to have to be like very thoughtful about when we put this podcast episode out right. so that you don't get like blasted with the million orders. Because after you guys do your research, I promise you, you're going to be DMing me and be like, where can I get one of these? Yeah. And they're, they're that good. So yeah. um, I have no obligation to say that. So I I will give the not mom perspective and back her up. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. I appreciate that. She's going to yeah. love that support too. <laughs> um, so it wasn't until I started um, coming out with some different flavors, right? So originally it was just vanilla. Okay. And it was like, let me get vanilla down. Sure. People it's a love classic. vanilla. Classic, yeah, yeah. right? To start. Then I started experimenting with some other flavors, raspberry, mint, cookies, and cream, which have now become the four mm -hmm. foundational flavors yeah. that and are available And the raspberry now. one, I know that's your one of your faves. It's my favorite. It yeah. actually was up there for me, too. I yeah. really thought it would be the cookies and cream, but I tried the raspberry after the cookies and cream, and you had said to me, like, definitely try that one next. And I was like, this is really good. Yeah, and they offer yeah. different... Mm -hmm. Um, textures yeah, and, totally. and airiness to yeah. the consumer mm -hmm. depending on what they're more into. Right. So it wasn't until a final friend that I had them try the bars. Now all four flavors are complete. And so everyone's okay. trying a mixture of these yeah. things. And they're just like, yo, you have got to get other people yes. to try these. Like yeah. these are really good. <laughs> and I was like, all right, um, I'll I'll give it a go. And yeah. I saw every day, right, working the front desk at the gym, yeah. different vendors come in and set up tables okay. and market. So you were like, like, maybe that. I should I try like, that. I hit up our marketing team. Sure. And I was like, hey, can I come in with like a table and see give out free samples of the product? So, you know, for a week, two weeks, I think it was, I was in the kitchen just making these samples. Yeah, so that you had enough. So I had enough. And I did all four flavors, vanilla, raspberry, mint, cookies, and cream. And my buddy, who was the one that was like, you got to get these out there, also joined me on that day. Okay. Like, had and some time to you. take from yeah. work. Mm -hmm. And he just helped me generate the conversation. Yeah. And people are leaving the gym. It was a morning session. And uh, everyone's stopping and trying them. And eventually after like the ninth, 10th, 12th person, they're coming back in and they're like, hey, these are really good. Like, where can I get these? And I'm like, oh, they're not available yet. Like, I'm just giving out free samples to get people's thoughts on it. Right. Yeah. My intention was you were still doing your market research. Market research. Yeah, yeah. I would be filling out like a little survey. Okay. You were out. Oh, okay. You were like literally asking. Data collecting. Yeah. 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 And, um, Eventually, my friend like pulls me aside and just like, dude, what the hell are you doing? He's like, sell the damn things. He's like, that's what we're here for, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm an idiot. Like, what am I doing? So the next person that turned around and came in. So we know you're going to need like a CMO. Yeah, some exactly. Because it's not going to be Steven. That's not going to be my thing. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm like then taking names. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I found myself taking, taking literally 30 names. Oh, my and gosh. I sold over 100 bars. So and I got like, rid of shit, every single sample. Do? Like I remember still this picture of opening the freezer, taking it in like every bag that was I gone. brought in of the yeah. That's awesome. So that night I went home and I was in the I was just making bars, making product, making product, making product. And I was like, wow, I think I really might have something mm -hmm. here. And for the next several weeks, I was still at the gym and people were coming up to the front desk asking for more orders, asking for more orders. <laughs> and so like it was running the ice cream shop at the front desk. That's great. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> That's great. And um it wasn't until uh, that really started clicking and the confidence started building within myself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, let me try another pop-up. And since then, I've been on this journey of 
still getting it out there, all these pop-ups and, um, yeah. And that's just kind of where it's, where it started, you know, and that was in yeah. July of, of this year that I that's amazing. finally do that. And that was such a, like, kind of understanding like where you came from to where you are now and how it all sort of happened. That was described like that journey in such a great way. So thank you for giving us all that insight and everything. And we are going to be coming up on the end of our time here in a couple minutes, but I think that's a perfect segue into just kind of asking you the question. It's a big question, but now that you've continued to build more confidence, you're past the market research to a degree. I know you've had some bumps along the way. You've mentioned a little bit, just alluding to some of the issues with creating a stable product. I know you've realized yeah. like environment has been big for you. You had hiccups at certain points where you were like, I got this down, but like now today it's not working. Yeah. You realize that the temperature and the air pressure and all that sort of stuff was a factor. Yeah. But where where are you going next? Like what's what's the 2.0 version of this? Because it is still so new. We were talking offline, like you're in the trenches right now and you're yeah. in the grind of it. And I think that's the most exciting place to be because there's just so much possibility on the other side. So yeah. what are you like, what are you thinking about right now? What's maybe like keeping you up at night? Like I love that question yeah. for like somebody who's at this stage. Like what's on your mind the most of what you want to do next? Totally. So the demand for the product has been through the roof, mm -hmm. as you know, and um, it's required me and I had to move into a commercial kitchen space. So that's yep. really given me the opportunity awesome. to expand yeah. freezer space and work in an environment that's a little more controlled. Sure. And now I am pumping out product great every time. And that consistency, consistency. is yeah. solid. And so that has given me a lot of healthy sleeping nights, you Good. know, knowing that yeah. the product is in that way now. That you're not needing to tweak it every day. Right. Yeah. But the emails are now coming in and the demand is coming in outside of my current delivery zone. Mm -hmm. As you know, I'm a one-man band. Yeah. And... To... I had multiple friends tell me, like literally two clients and a good friend of mine who I know like told you that he wanted his bars like real quick. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, you need to give him like a day. <laughs> and he texts me, my friend Joe, he won't care if I shout him out. He was like, he was like, so he, we were on the phone and I sent him the link and he's like, I just ordered them. When am I going to get them? I'm like, chill out. Yeah. He was like, well, what if I send him a message and say that you're my friend? I'm like, I can't pull any strings for you like that. Like this is literally one guy. And then he gets the bars like whatever the day later and texts me immediately and he just goes your friend steven is gonna need to hire a few more people just specifically to come to my house like yeah. that's how excited he was about it and you know one other thing i want to touch on before we wrap up too that's really important for all my listeners out there who are like wondering about more of the nutrition side of things Guys, the macros on these bars are insane. They're super low carb. Like when you think about different options out there in terms of ice cream, that's always like a limiting factor for people. They're not high in fat either and they have protein. So when it comes to that dessert treat, if you can get a bar that what your average is somewhere between like 11 and 15 grams of protein, right? Depending on the flavor. 15 grams of protein okay. per bar, yeah. So with that in mind, like there's nothing else out there that even does that. Like I won't drop any of the things that I'd compare it to, but the one thing that I'd compare it to the most, it doesn't have 15 grams of protein. So yeah, I think that's fantastic. And it's like a, it's like a bar on a stick. It's not like yours where it has the chocolate coating on the outside. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's something that really sets it apart. So wanted to make sure I actually like outlined like why I'm so excited about this ice cream specifically, because yeah. there is more to it than that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, just again, like to kind of bring this to where you're going next, you got consistency with the product, more of the orders are coming in, like you're poised to be able to start to scale this thing. So I would imagine like people is going to be the next step. But what other things are you thinking about? Absolutely. The next step literally that I've been working on for the last week is shipping, mm -hmm. right? How do I start to expand this product yeah. across and larger than 50 miles where I'm making it? Right. And make and sure that it's stays That it's going to be stable. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm doing a lot of research right now, cool. reaching out to relationships. But eventually once that established, it's also having conversations with the retail market, mm -hmm. right? Being able to get this into stores so people can get it better. But figuring out um, shipping a frozen food product is very difficult. Sure. It's costly. I'm sure. And finding out the best path for mine is going to take some some hard thinking, okay. which I'm after right now, but I'm pretty confident something should be out there in the next like 30 days. That's exciting. Yeah, because nice. people from New York, Philadelphia, yeah, they want DC, it. everybody's right. hearing about it. And That's awesome. Yeah. Well, with that in mind then, we're gonna 
I think we should time out the release of this episode for you guys when you're actually listening to it. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be right around the time that that's possible and I can totally make that happen with the release schedule because that would be such a great way for us to kind of be like, hey, now this like shipping is an opportunity yeah, and also cool. maybe not to keep you in the kitchen <laughs> at all hours <laughs> of the night so that you can have a life too. But yeah. I really appreciate that and you know, super excited to be able to have kind of met you like right at this opportune time of like when you're still hitting the ground running and totally. it's new and everything and I love being able to support local brands I told you as somebody who has a big audience but coincidentally not, and maybe not coincidentally but by just nature of the work that I do it's hyper local and I don't always get the chance to work with a hyper local brand that has like a lot of engagement like I I couldn't believe like how many people DM'd me but it's a testament to the fact that there isn't anything like this no. so I think that's something you should totally like rest in because that's why people were so intrigued and wanted to get their hands on it and I think people like supporting local too Absolutely. like as soon as I said like it was for anybody in Monmouth Ocean County area I know for sure some of the people who DM me specifically, that kind of made them like perk their ears up even more. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So to kind of close all this off, we're going to do a quick little lightning round, fun questions like rapid fire sort of stuff, and then we will let you go. Okay? <laughs> I'm ready to go. So let's keep it food focused. If you could only eat one food and you can't say ice cream, yeah. if you only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Jamaican beef patties. Oh, wow. You had no hesitation. Why? No hesitation. What is it about those? There's something about the flaky crust. Okay. And then like the warm That was the fastest pocket. answer I've ever gotten. Yeah. Good. I've, I've uh, always had this on the back of okay. my mind. Yeah. You were ready for what that would be my one? last meal? Jamaican, yeah. Jamaican beef okay. patties. Okay. So it's the flakiness. The flakiness, the inside of the beef. There's a spiciness to it because I like that too. Cool. It's just delicious. All right. Good to know. Least favorite food. Let's go opposite. Oh, wow. Um, You know, yams. <laughs> also really <laughs> random, but okay. Yeah. Yams. I'm just not a yam guy. Not a guy. fan. Texture. No, what texture, is it? The texture. The stringiness. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm, I don't love like the stringy aspect. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that one. If you were only going to do one exercise, and I mean like a lift or something, like one movement pattern for the rest of your life, what are you choosing? Ooh, um, Probably squats. Okay. There's something about working out your lower body that powerful. Just, yeah, it just makes you feel great. Yeah, it still like hits everything really. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that one. If you were going to recommend, especially from the entrepreneurial lens, book, podcast, something for somebody to listen to out there, what are you, what are you listening to, reading? What yeah, is it? Um, the podcast would be How I Built This by Best Guy podcast, Raz. Yeah. Literally listening to his sessions, I think keeps me sane. Yeah, especially some of the food ones. Yeah. Like every time, even in, in, since we've been speaking now, I know the first time we met, I dropped like two different episodes yep, to you exactly. that you should listen to. Yeah. As you were talking now, I thought of like three more that I'm sure you've heard, but yeah. like the story of the woman who started Simple Mills. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about you like venturing into Whole Foods like she did and just mm -hmm. being like, hey, can you try this? Like that should be your next move at the Whole Foods and Wall. It actually makes me yeah. feel like I'm surrounded by people going through the same thing. Sure, and totally. It keeps me going. Yeah, such a great book too. I don't know if you've only I listened. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. book was really great. Just like the way he organized a lot of the, the types of entrepreneurial journeys that were similar. It was a very interesting way to read it and those be tied together because he grouped like specific problem sets like issues Issues with co-founders, challenges with like bringing things to market, yep. foods, all that sort of stuff. I, I love that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, as the very last question, before I ask you, you got to plug yourself, tell us where we can find you, stay connected, everything. But if somebody's listened to this so far and they could really only take away one message, what do you want that to be for them? I think it would be that if you have an idea out there that you're really passionate about, go for it because you're going to go on living life eventually wondering why didn't I go for mm -hmm. it and there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road and you know relationships are going to be hard to be had but when you get to that place of doing something for yourself um it's unlike anything else and I would tell any like aspiring entrepreneur or or young founder to just keep at it and if one thing doesn't work Keep a mind for the next thing because mm -hmm. the knowledge and experience that you just gained is going to transition into everything that you do. And um, yeah, just keep an open mind and, and sink yourself in. 
Amazing. Well, on that note, my wish for you is someday for us to be sitting here remembering this podcast and this specific interview while you're on How I Built This, talking Same about here. Orca Mars, right? <laughs> and I'll be like, I knew that guy when he first got started. So super cool. And again, thank you so much for being here, sharing about your story, your perspectives, all of it super refreshing. And truly, I'm just excited to see where you go and all the things that you do. So for everybody listening, how can they stay connected with you? More importantly, how can they place their order for some Orca Bars? Because we know that's going to happen after listening to this episode. Yeah. So we are taking orders and it's uh, orcabar.com, O-R-K-A-B-A-R.com. And you can also follow us on anywhere, social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Orcabar. Perfect. We will link all of it down in the show notes so it's super easy. You guys can just go right there and click and make sure you follow them too so you can stay along on that journey. And for everybody who tuned in today, you guys know the deal. I say it every single week. Take three seconds to leave us a review because that does help the show and it helps other people who maybe listen to similar podcasts get recommended episodes like this one, which is also another way for us to just spread more on the word of Orca Bar, entrepreneurship, mindset, playing it safe versus taking risks all the different things that we covered today and you were so amazing in sharing, Stephen. So thank you. <laughs> thank so you. go scroll all the way to the bottom if you're on Apple Podcasts. I have to say this because people always ask me, I don't know how to leave a review, otherwise I would. <laughs> it's not that obvious. So maybe Apple Podcasts needs to work on this, but go all the way to the bottom of the episode. You'll see the blank stars. Obviously, you're going to hit a five and that's literally all you need to do. Spotify, it's even easier. It's actually right at the top. So it's maybe a little bit more of a user-friendly design, but we would appreciate if you guys would do that along with sharing this with somebody who you think might be interested. If it's somebody that loves ice cream, it would be a no-brainer to send no them brainer. this episode so that they listen to it and can get their hands on some too. But with that, we thank you guys for tuning in once again to another episode of The Fix Podcast. And from wherever you're listening from, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, Thanks for David. having me. You're yeah, welcome. Appreciate it.